others belong to us. Broken hearts are welcome here. Anxious spirits are welcome here. Minds worrying faster than a racing engine, uncertain what to think. Stubborn egos that sometimes trip us up, cementing us to opinions. Fragile, shell-shocked souls. Say it with me, they are welcome here. Yours, mine, and everyone else's. Not because this community will fix it through easy solutions or the right way forward. As a liberal religious congregation, we have something far more fragile and far more powerful than that. Our need to be together, our need to reconnect the life-giving source that moves within us and among us, and our need to make one another a little bit braver and wiser before returning to the service of life.
Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Reverend Nathan Dieter, and I am privileged to be one of the ministers of our wonderful congregation. And um, two quick announcements before Emily takes care of the other announcements. First and foremost, I am pleased to announce that Emily Bruce, our fantastic uh, ministerial intern, received a one <clears throat> on the ministerial fellowship grading. So everybody give her a big thumbs up through the screen and applause and just do the dance. Jennifer Spoon's doing the dance. None of us were surprised, but if you've noticed that Emily has like a vibe of like her shoulders seem, you know, like 20 feet higher, that's why this morning. And the second quick announcement for Emily takes care of the other announcements is if you are new, we'd love for you to, um, to put your name when you sign on to Zoom rather than like a nondescript sort of title because it's our, it's the only way we can sort of, you know, offer, not the only way, but one way we can make sure we know who you are. We don't have any Zoom bombings going on. So please put your names. Um, this is like your name tag at church. All right. So put your name tag on your Zoom box, please. Um, all right, Emily, almost Rev. Emily, take it away. Thank you, Nathan. And thank you everybody so much for all of the love and support. It's appreciated. I would have done this without all of you. So I'm sending a lot of love out through the screen to all of you this morning. Thank you. Uh, so um, as you probably know this part by now, we're recording this and everyone is automatically muted. Um, you can switch to Galaxy to see all of us and if you haven't yet found the chat box, you will surely do so today because we use it heavily throughout the service. Um, the uh, next announcement is Betty Douse's memorial will be held on Zoom on Saturday, November 7th at 11 a.m. So mark your calendars. The family had planned to do something later when we could gather in person, but they've decided to, uh, to go ahead with a Zoom memorial. So there'll be more information coming, but mark your calendars. Um, if you've been reading the newsletter, you'll see that we are hosting a series of mini properly masked and socially distanced outdoor gatherings this fall. Um, so we're calling them micro gatherings and you are welcome to sign up for them. Um, there's a link probably going in the chat box any second now to the sign up page for all of those gatherings. Today there are two. Um, I'm doing an animal blessing at Unity Farm Animal Sanctuary um, at three o'clock. Uh, the, the six slots they gave us are full but they will be doing it on Zoom so you can watch it there. But there are a few slots open to have a check-in with Rev Nathan on the back porch of the church patio um, today. Uh, I can't remember what time, but check the link and it's in there. Uh, the next announcement is um, that we have made a decision because of COVID um, and social distancing protocols and keeping our, us and our building safe, especially the preschool ECDC, which is back in business in our building, that we've decided to tighten access to the building and therefore have changed the locks. So um, if you need access to the building from here on out, just email Heather Walker and uh, she will help you out. Grab a chalice if you have one nearby. Um, reminder, we're doing virtual coffee hour after worship for about 20 minutes, so stay on after the postlude and you'll be sorted into a breakout room with six to seven or to eight of your fellow congregants. And don't forget the email comes out on Monday mornings and Thursday evenings, so keep checking those for all the other offerings that are coming up. And finally, I invite our visitors to use the link in the chat box to fill out our welcome form if you are so called to tell us a little bit about yourself and how we can get in touch. And finally, once again, put yourself on gallery view 
and say hi to each other. <laughs> In these hard times, there will always be singing, always be singing. In these hard times, in these hard times, there will always be singing, always be singing. In these hard times, in these hard times, there will always be singing, always be singing. In these hard times, in these hard times, there will always be singing, always be singing. In these hard us in the silence and through the noise and busyness of our daily lives. It calls us in the brightness of the day and the darkness of the night, in times of hope and despair. Listen, can you hear Listen, can you hear it? The spirit is calling. It doesn't matter what you call it, for it has no name and has many different names. The spirit of life, the spirit of love, the spirit of compassion, the spirit of hope, the spirit of justice. Listen, can you hear it? The spirit is calling. It's calling to you and to me. 
It's calling us to greater wholeness, greater connection, greater service, greater love. It's calling us to heal the brokenness within ourselves, in others, and in the world. It's calling us to live more deeply. It's calling us to beauty. It's calling us to laugh and dance and sing. It's calling us to live through life's pain and sorrow. It's calling us to live courageously and kindly, to speak our truth and love, and to bend the moral arc of the universe toward justice. It's calling us into community. It's calling us into the greater life of all. Listen, can you hear it? The spirit is calling, my friends. And Reverend Heather got booted off by Zoom. I don't know what she did wrong, but she will be back on in just a second. Um, <laughs> Sarah, did you want to introduce our opening hymn? Sure. Our opening hymn today is Do You Hear? And the words, as usual, will be in the chat box. I'd love to see you singing, and I only wish I could hear you also. Please join us. we are lucky to have the Cohen family light our chalice and say our covenant with us so India will spotlight them. Okay. Love is the spirit of this church and the service its law. This, this is, is our, our great covenant, covenant to, dwell to dwell together in peace, peace to seek truth and love, and to help one another. Good job, Julia. And now we'll have our doxology.
Okay, everybody, for those uh, young ones, both in age and in heart, just um, crawl up closer to the screen, if you would. Just imagine that we're back in the sanctuary and you're coming up, you're walking up to the front. What I want to do, I'm just trying to see who we have here. Good, great to see everybody. And just so you know, for all of us who are leading worship, you don't always have to turn your cameras on, but it is sometimes really lovely to see your faces. Um, so we can actually feel like we're talking to people um, and, their, and their smiles. So my Wonder Box is metaphorical this morning because Heather stole the Wonder Box, of course. But I want to tell you about what happened um, a week ago this afternoon, like a week ago last Sunday. All right, so I have a very old house, 1855, and I have a very old basement. It's got bugs, it's got dust, it's got dirt, it's got rocks, and it's also, you can go down the steps to get in the basement, but you also can go out to the bulkhead, which is like in the backyard, you open up this basically trap door and it goes into the basement. Okay, so I go down to the basement and I open up the bulkhead. Well, no, I go in the basement, I open up the bulkhead from the inside, okay? So I'm like in the basement, I wanna open up just to get some fresh air because it was so humid. And I sat down on the stairs of the bulkhead that go out. All right, are you with me? Just give me a thumbs up. All right. I sat down because I needed to tie my shoe or something like that. <clears throat> There's a couple lessons in this. One is don't sit down on the stairs of bulkhead, but you'll, you'll understand why in a second. So I sat down, tie my shoe, tie one shoe, Halfway through tying the other, I feel something on my legs. Out of the metaphorical uh, wonder box, I will now share with you what it was. It wasn't this colorful, and it wasn't this small either. It was a huge snake crawling across, no, not crawling, slithering, I'm like trying to cuddle up onto my lap. Now, this is what's important. You might wonder, Reverend Nathan, what did you do? Somebody's putting in the chat box, LOL, what fun. This was not fun at all. This was terrifying. It was so scary that I froze. I literally couldn't move as the snake <laughs> stayed on my leg for like a second and probably looked up into my eyes. I don't even know why. And then like slithered off. Okay. I still froze. I froze for like, it felt like a week. It felt like longer than the debate some of us watched on Tuesday. It felt so long. And then I tried to yell and nothing came out of my body. Like nothing, nothing came out of my voice until like four seconds later when I screamed the loudest scream you've ever heard. And 
my wife, Karen, and my daughter, Ella, came running outside in the backyard and they asked what was wrong. And I said, what had happened that there was a snake? And by this time the snake was somewhere else. So they, one, didn't believe me. And number two, they thought it if it was, it was probably just a garter snake and what's the big deal? Now, why am I telling you this? For a few reasons. One is don't um, sit on the step of your bulkhead. That's number one. This is like a public service announcement. Number two, it's interesting to me that what our bodies do when we are scared. And sometimes we freeze. Our bodies, like our instincts, tell us to freeze because that is the way that we can stay safe. And third, it's interesting to me that out of my body came this cry for help that was sort of like un, um, uncontrolled. And I want to tell you, all of you, all of us, young and old, that we are living in, as the adults will tell you, in scary times. And I want us to do a couple things. I want us to, number one, trust our instincts, <laughs> that our bodies tell us maybe what the most important thing to do is, sometimes that even is staying still. And number two, and maybe most importantly, when we are scared, we need to call out for help. And sometimes it's going to take a while for us to find our, find our voice like it did for me. But when we call out for help, and this is true of our church community and our families and our schools and all of us who love each other, people will come. So my friends, that is our wonder box. I'm still not over it, I will tell you um, in full disclosure. I'm even like right now I'm getting a little, um, I'm feeling a little chill, chills actually. Oh my gosh. Um, anyway, so thank you for coming up close for the Wonder Box. Uh, for uh, the kids who would like to go off and do something different, it's a beautiful day um, outside and just to have time away from screens, please know that you can always do that. Um, and adults, um, I guess you could do that too, but we want everyone to stay if you're feeling up to it. because. Um, these services, though not what we all want, are the best we have, and they're pretty terrific. And I'm going to jump in before our testimonial and just give the assignment for the kids. Thank um, you, <laughs> So each week we are giving um, an, an assignment or a prompt or a uh, thing to think about for our kids and families. Um, and this week, I want you to think about with your families, and you can do this as adults, you can do this um, as a family over dinner, you can do this uh, in your journal. I want you to think about when you're scared or when you are needing to call out, who are the people who you can call out to, who you can share those feelings with? And just spend a little bit of time thinking about um, who those people are who can, um, who can help you hold those feelings. Nathan will introduce our testimonial this morning. So between now, this Sunday, and let's see, November 2nd, um, so the next, you know, several many weeks, um, we will have every Sunday um, the opportunity to hear from one of us um, in response to this question of uh, voting and participating in the democratic process. And the question that we are giving to everyone who's going to be offering the testimonial is sort of for those of you here last week, in response to the question, what does voting love look like to me? What does voting love look like to me? Um, 
knowing that our one of our values, of course, is Unitarian Universalist, is the abiding power and force of love. And this morning, we're uh, just so privileged to have Ava Engelman. So Ava, we are all yours. Good morning. What does it mean to me to vote love? 52 years ago, on October 25, 1968, I came to this country from then communist Czechoslovakia. It was 11 days before presidential election of Nixon Humphrey. I was 23 years old and practically all those years I lived under the communist oppression. The democracy was an unknown world to those of us born after the Second World War. Some of us knew it only from the stories our parents told us. I was able to vote when I turned 18. The elections those days in communist country were absolute shame. People came to the voting place, received a card printed with the names of the candidates, and two boxes stood in a room, one marked yes and one marked no. The communist town officials sat in front of those boxes, and of course, nobody would be depositing the card in the no box. Therefore, the candidates always won with 99% of votes. Six years after I came to the United States of America, I received US citizenship. It was a very proud moment in my life. And that November of 1974, I was already participating for the first time in a presidential election of Gerald Ford and Muskie. Since then, I voted in every presidential, senatorial, and Congress elections, and many local elections. As an immigrant, I am appalled at the immigration situation today. Thousands of people are incarcerated at the border in inhuman conditions. Children taken away from their parents. I came to this country with $50 in my pocket and not speaking one word of English. But I got the opportunity to become a lawful, hardworking citizen. I achieved the American dream. I am heartbroken that others are being denied this opportunity because they don't speak the language, because of their religion beliefs, or color of their skin. This is not what America is about. We are the country of immigrants from all regions of this world, and we have to make sure 
this will be preserved for future generations of immigrants. This year, our democracy is being trampled on. The president is discouraging people to vote with all kinds of scaring tactics. People in the minority communities are unable to find polling places and thousands are being thrown out of the voters registry. We have to resist this unprecedented assault on democracy. Many of us, Unitarian Universalists, grew up in different religions with different values and outlook on life. But we all now adhere to the UU principles of the inherent worth and dignity of each person, the justice, equity, and compassion in human relations, and acceptance of one another. I want a leader that will help to, de to, to heal this divided country, to provide justice and equity to black and Latino communities, to preserve the women's rights and dignity of our LGBT brothers, sisters, children and grandchildren. That's what vote love means to me. Voting for change, for equity, for preserving democracy and humanity. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ava. Friends, as we hold these words that we've heard and we open ourselves to listen further, Let's just give ourselves a moment to transition into a time for prayer and meditation and quiet. Let your body relax into its surroundings. Release what tension you can. Open your hands and close your eyes. And join me in taking a breath in and letting it out. As this video plays and the choir sings, There is a Love, please join us by singing by listening, by breathing together.
Thank you, Sarah and the choir. So good to hear your voices this morning. Friends, there is a love holding all of us. And as we do every week, now it's time in our service when we invite each other to look within ourselves and invite prayers for the people around us, close to us and our family and friends, our loved ones. So if you have someone you'd like us to hold in our center of our heart and our spirit, simply write into the chat box now. And as these continue to come in, Alan Cantor will light, one of our worship associates will light a chalice for these prayers and for all those that go unwritten this morning. Now we invite us to look, if you're uh, outside your screen, maybe through a close window into the world, the world that breaks our heart with it's difficult things, but also it's beauty. Let us offer our prayers for the world that you and I live in, the communities, the towns, the city, the state, and the country. For all these then, and also those that go unwritten, we light a candle. And as we try to remind ourselves and each other in these times, especially when times are scary and painful, when there's so much news, I mean, it, it literally feels like four years since last Sunday. It's so important for us to, um, to name the things we are grateful for, the thanksgivings of life and living. So friends, please put your gratitudes down. They are never, there's not a single gratitude that is too small.
trolleys and the many, many more, we light a final candle. Remembering that prayer, often prayer does not change things, but prayer changes people and people change things. Please pray with me. Hear our prayers this morning. Our prayer to let our country, yours and mine, awake where our mind is free and we can hold our heads high, let our country awake, where knowledge is accepted and science is valued, let our country awake, where the country has not been broken up into parties and spin and different sources of facts. Let our country awake. Where words and view, viewpoints come from truth and fact and not conspiracy. Let our country awake. Where humility overcomes pride and wishful thinking about COVID-19 knowing pandemics know no boundaries of party or person. Let our country awake. And where participation in the democratic process is unrestrained and freely accessible, as Ava so beautifully voiced this morning, friends, into that heaven of freedom, dear God of our many names, let our country awake. Let us be held in several moments of silence.
Our reading this morning is Just Listen by Rachel Naomi Remen. I suspect that the most basic and powerful way to connect to another person is to listen. Just listen. Perhaps the most important thing we ever give each other is our attention, and especially if it's given from the heart. When people are talking, there's no need to do anything but receive them. Just take them in. Listen to what they're saying. Care about it. Most times caring about it is even more important than understanding it. Most of us don't value ourselves or our love enough to know this. It has taken me a long time to believe in the power of simply saying, I'm so sorry when someone is in pain and meaning it. One of my patients told me that when she tried to tell her story, people often interrupted her to tell her that they once had something just like that happen to them. Subtly, her pain became a story about themselves. Eventually, she stopped talking to most people. It was just too lonely. We connect through listening. When we interrupt what someone is saying to let them know what we, that we understand, we move the focus of attention to ourselves. When we listen, they know we care. Many people with cancer talk about the relief of having someone just listen. I have, an e I have even learned to respond to someone crying by just listening. In the old days, I used to reach for the tissues until I realized that passing a person a tissue may be just another way to shut them down, to take them out of their experience of sadness and grief. Now I just listen. When they have cried all they need to cry, they find me there with them. This simple thing has not been that easy to learn. It certainly went against everything I had been taught since I was very young. I thought people listened only because they were too timid to speak or did not know the answer. A loving silence often has more power to heal and to connect than the most well-intentioned words. Thank you, Alan. Molly Howes will introduce our morning's offering recipient. Good morning. I want to add my thanks to Ava for your um, moving and eloquent testimonial. The Florida Rights Restoration Coalition 
couldn't send a representative today to talk to us because they're swamped. Tomorrow, early voting starts in Florida. By the way, in case you are someone who can vote in Massachusetts, early voting starts October 17th. I'm from Florida, and in 2018, I went to um, perform two roles the week of the election. The first one was I canvassed neighborhoods for Andrew Gillum, who was the Democratic candidate for governor, and also for question four, which was um, a constitutional amendment to re-enfranchise people who had been convicted of felonies and already served their terms. Um, in Florida, they were not allowed to vote. Um, the other role was to serve as a poll monitor, which is a non-partisan uh, role where volunteers are trained to help voters who have questions about voting. Um, and uh, so I, I encountered um, many voters who did have questions. I encountered voters who had been given false information within the polls and sent them back in. I visited um, or worked in five black neighborhoods and among other things, heard stories about the polling places changing every year and confusing locations and people being unable to find them. Question four passed. 65% um, of the population voted for it, which should have enabled it to become a constitutional amendment. The governor and the legislature, uh, which is Republican controlled, um, uh, took exception though and added uh, a phrase um, the, as, as the constitutional amendment was written, it was after people have completed their sentences, including prison, parole, and probation. The, the phrase that was added was all terms. So people had to complete all terms of their sentences, which um, they said included fines and fees they may have uh, accrued over time, sometimes without their knowledge. Uh, a court reviewed this uh, exception and decided and established that it, it was the constitu it constituted a poll tax. Um, but a higher court just this past month overturned that finding. And um, so now the law is that people have to pay all these fees and fines, uh, many of which they don't even know about before they're allowed to register for vote to vote. Uh, Florida Rights Restoration Coalition um, was uh, instrumental in bringing question four to the ballot. And now what they're concentrating on is both paying people's fees and fines for them if the people can't pay them, but also helping people find out what their fees and fines obligations are by county. You can look it up and find out how much you owe. Um, so it's very, very valuable. And it's very valuable right now in the next few weeks, uh, especially. So um, please, uh, give what you can to support this important work. Thank you. So we are collecting our offering through Realm, which is our online database. And you should see a slide right now on your screen with instructions on how to give and the link will be in the chat box. Please designate whether you would like your donation to go toward your pledge if you are a pledging member or toward our offering recipient. And uh, this information will be posted again at the end of the service. Thank you so much for your generosity.
I said upon meeting my new physical therapist last April over Zoom, I am a terrible PT patient. It felt important to be honest about that this time. This was my fourth round of physical therapy, and I told him, I do the exercises for a week or two, and then I just get discouraged, and then I quit. Eleven years ago, I broke two bones in my lower back in a car accident. And since then, I have lived with chronic pain, sometimes barely there, sometimes persistent, sometimes intermittent, but always on the horizon of my awareness that it is present or it could be if I do too much. And about a decade after my injury, a year ago, my pain changed. It had moved from consistent soreness and stiffness to a shooting, piercing pain that made me freeze in the middle of picking up the toddler I live with or lifting a bag of flour, or twisting around to see who is behind me. And so last year, I went in for more scans, 
x-rays, a CT scan. I went back and forth between my primary care doctor and specialist, and finally I landed at a pain clinic with a physical therapist who specializes in back pain, which is how myself, I found myself this past April doing stretches on video in the third floor of my house, angling and repositioning my camera so that the physical therapist could see my mobility. 2020 has been so weird. So looking at your scans, he said, your back actually looks like the back of a normal 31-year-old, but the pain levels that you rated on the survey are severely impacting your lifestyle. It turns out, he explained, that there is more than one type of pain. And while many people, about 20% of the population, have chronic, wide, have chronic pain, people have many wide-ranging experiences and underlying causes of that pain. But today, I want to tell you a little bit about what I have learned from mine. My physical therapist explained, what you have is what we call neuroplastic pain. It's pain that lingers long after an injury is gone because the pain receptors in your brain have become overly sensitive to even the slightest stimuli. It's very real pain, but the good news is we can treat it by changing how your brain understands the stimuli. And then he said, I'm going to give you some homework. Over the next week, I just want you to stretch. No, exerci no exercises, just stretch your muscles. And most importantly, I want you to pay attention every time your back hurts. I want you to notice what is the story that you are telling yourself about your pain? What muscles have we forgotten to stretch because we are afraid of pain? And what is the story you are telling yourself about your pain? What questions for these times, my friends? What is the story that we are telling ourselves about our pain? We are living in such a painful time right now. All weekend, I've seen people in my circles debating just how much care and compassion we should be showing for the president's COVID diagnosis. I've watched the debate rage on about school reopenings, church reopenings, maskers, anti-maskers, Black Lives Matter, Back the Blue, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Amy Coney Barrett. And I wonder, what is the story that we have about this pain in our world? Where do we understand it to be coming from? When is pain an indicator of injury? When is pain an indicator that something is seriously wrong? And when have we created patterns in our world that cause us more pain? And what do we think that it will do to us to feel this pain? Are we scared to feel it? Does the pain cause us to suffer? John Kabat-Zinn, a Buddhist teacher and writer, says in his book, At Home in Our Bodies, you change your relationship to pain by opening up to it and paying attention to it. You put out the welcome mat, not because you're masochistic, not because the pain is, but because the pain is there. So you need to understand the nature of the experience and the possibilities for it. As the doctors put it, learning to live with it or as the Buddhists might put it, liberation from the suffering. If you distinguish between pain and suffering, 
change is possible. For me, the story that I was telling myself about my back pain was that every time I hurt, it meant that things were probably getting worse. It meant that my back was getting more and more injured. And my story went, as the years went on, I was going to live with an increasing amount of pain. When I told my physical therapist this, he reassured me. He said, actually, there is no evidence in your scans to support that. The bones in your back healed a long time ago, but you are still experiencing high levels of pain. What we need to do now is to retrain the pain receptors in your brain to interpret those input signals differently. You stay still when you're in pain. You stay still for fear of making it worse. But staying still is making it worse. When you feel pain, that is actually a sign that you need to move rather than stay still. Sometimes our pain is the sign that we need to move to take action, not that we need to stay still. I think about all the pain I feel when I turn on the news, when I consider the crumbling of our common life, when I consider whether we are at a tipping point between democracy and fascism, when I hear the news of Breonna Taylor's killers not being indicted, when I see pictures of the devastation from the fires out west, when I read about voter suppression, not to mention the global pandemic that we are in the midst of, all the lives lost, over 210,000 in the US, how terribly it all has been handled and how avoidable it seems. My friends, there is so much pain. And I also wonder, in what ways has the pain caused us caused me to stay still, to stick with the status quo, to freeze for fear of making it worse. And then I wonder, what if the pain is actually telling us that we can't stay still? What if our pain is telling us that we need to move? What if in this moment in our world, we need to feel our pain rather than avoiding it? Because by feeling it, we might be able to transform it, allow new ways of being, new patterns, new neural pathways to form in our society so that we might find healing. I am trying to practice paying attention, listening to my pain in these times. I am trying to practice not being scared of it, but for, to take it for the information that it is. I feel sad because terrible and tragic things happen in our world. My heart hurts, which means that I can feel compassion. I feel angry because I witness injustice and things that I love are being threatened. I feel pain not because I am broken, but because I am human and I am paying attention. I am trying to practice listening to my pain because it is telling me something. I am also listening, considering, and testing the stories that I find myself telling myself about my pain. Because sometimes those stories can cause more suffering than the pain itself. Sometimes those stories tell me to stay still and to uphold the status quo of white supremacy, of patriarchy, of the extractive economies that we live in, of xenophobia. And sometimes I want to freeze, to shy away from the pain, to numb it, to ignore it, 
when what I need to do instead is to listen to it, to move, to let it transform, to create new patterns, is a being world, to let it heal. My friends, where is the pain in your life telling you a story about what is and what is not possible? Where is the pain in your life causing you to freeze when you know deeper down that you need to be in motion? Where is the pain in your life telling you that you are not broken, you are awake, you are human? Beloved, we are living in a painful time. It is okay to feel pain. It is okay to feel heartache. Listen to it. It is telling you, you are alive, you are human, keep moving. There is healing in action. May it be so, and amen. Our closing hymn is, I've got peace like a river. The words will be in our chat box. Please sing along at home.
Friends, please join in our call to ministry, which will be in your chat box, which brings us out into the world each week. We go forth into the world in peace, to act with works of love, to affirm each person's dignity, and to cherish the living earth. Beloved, may we feel our pain. May we listen to our pain so that we may transform it. May we keep on moving toward that world that our hearts know is possible. May it be so, and amen. We invite you to stay for a virtual coffee hour. We'll be splitting you into breakup groups after our postlude um, of about eight people for an informal 20 minute conversation. So please um, stay and join us and connect with people uh, in the congregation. Thank you for joining us today. It's good to see you all. <laughs>